Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Okay, and we're just really happy to be with you today. And this program is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and really help you make your dreams come true. And we are in our actually 21st year here on Voice America. So very happy to be with all of you and share these amazing guests. All right. And today uh, we have a wonderful guest. We're talking about, you know, how sleep and how rest can change your life and what we can do to really um, replenish ourselves on a daily basis. My guest is Professor Sarah C. Mednick, and she's a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of California, Irvine. She's the author of The Hidden Power of the Downstate and Take a Nap, and that will change your life. Dr. Mednick was awarded the Office Naval Research Young Investigator Award in 2015. Her research findings have been published in such leading scientific journals as Nature Neuroscience and the Proceedings from the National Academy of Science and covered by all major media outlets. Okay, And her website is sarahmednick.com. And the name of her new book is The Power of the Downstate, Recharge Your Life Using Your Body's Own Restorative Systems. Welcome, Dr. Mednick. Thank you so much for having me. Why did you want to write this book? Um, That's a great question, (laughs) because there is so much information that we learn in the lab, and my research is all federally funded, which means that it's your tax dollars that pays for this information, and this information is so helpful to keep people healthier longer, and I wanted to translate what we find in the lab to useful actions that people can take to um, keep themselves sharper and more emotionally well-regulated well, uh, and to keep their bodies stronger longer. So when you say this is what you find in the lab, are you testing people with their sleep? Um, is, is that how you're doing it? So I do a whole bunch of different types of research. It, it generally, I do have a sleep lab. Um, but what I really am interested in is what are the physiological um, mechanisms that we have in our brains and our bodies that keep us restored, that keep us sort of ready to go and ready for whatever next challenges exist. So we do a lot of cognitive testing, and then we have people stay awake or go to sleep, and then we test them again on these same cognitive tasks, and we look at what measures um, were most influential for improving people's cognition or improving mm. their emotion regulation or their creativity. And we find that it's not just what's happening in the brain, but it's really also what happens in the body. And what are the different um, ways that we can improve those restorative mechanisms so that we can be um, as best as we can be? Mm. And what are some of those things you found that you, when you see improvement? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we look at both the central nervous system, which is brain activity, using um, EEG, electroencephalography, which looks at uh, electrical neurotransmission, which is just neurons communicating with each other. But we also measure the autonomic nervous system, which is this um, the system that really takes care of all of our bodily functions. But it also, as we are finding in my lab and others, is that it has a lot of influence on how deep our restorative processes are. And it turns out it has a lot of influence on how emotionally regulated we are, how deep, how good our sleep is for um, restorative work, for muscle repair, for cardiovascular repair, Mm -hmm. and also for cognition. So you really need to have rest both in your brain, but also in your body, that we're one whole system. And so this kind of systemic, whole, holistic approach is really, I think, what is missing a lot in medicine um, and also in science. We kind of take a siloed approach to just looking at the brain or just looking at the autonomic nervous system. But the truth is, is that when we really look at the whole system together and we see how we can 
operate such that they resonate and that they that they work together, that's really what is the best health. Hmm. How important is sleep and, and good sleep, not just sleep that's restless? How important is it? Yeah, you know, I think that in the past, so I started my research career really in the beginning of the century, and it's so funny to say that, but <laughs> the turn of the century, um, and, you know, I got my PhD in 2003, and I started doing, those when my first paper started coming out, and it was just the beginning of our understanding of the, of the role of sleep across so mm. many different yeah. um, features of our, you know, brain and our body. Um, and then in the past 15 years, there's been this massive um, revolution in terms of sleep research, but also in neuroscience in general. And it's allowed us to really bring new tools, uh, new tools from engineering, signal processing, um, computational modeling to really understand how the brain changes across sleep. And what we found is, you know, that is this sleep period really is the natural period of the most restorative uh, time that we have during the 24-hour cycle. Um, and that's because of a bunch of different things happening all at the same time. We don't have any outside influence from the world, right? We're kind of shut off in the, in this kind of safe haven of our beds. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to go inward and really start to do some deep repair work that we couldn't do if we're awake and active and going and being and doing. So sleep presents this kind of optimal period for restorative work. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't get that restorative work outside of sleep. It's just that sleep is kind of created by nature to be the period where most of it could optimally happen. But doesn't it depend upon the type of sleep, too? For example, if you're having trouble breathing or you have sleep apnea or you just have sinus issues, right, and so you're not getting that the full amount of air or the full amount of breath, that also makes a difference, right? Huge. You know, I mean, the breath is related to not just what's going on in your brain, but also your body. So your autonomic nervous system controls your breathing. And that ability to get into deep, slow breathing is what turns on the most restorative aspects of your sleep, but also of your autonomic nervous system. So truly, you know, that when people have sleep disorders, if they have fragmented sleep, if they stay in very light sleep and they don't get into deep sleep, um, that has a lot of health effects, um, and it actually has risks for later health effects as well. So mm-hmm. there's that feeling of just not being rested the next day, which nobody yes. wants, but also it puts you at risk for different types of chronic disease later on in life. Mm. Well, we'll talk about those afterwards, but I want to get to the title, The Power of the Downstate. And so you've written about the downstate and the upstate. What does that mean, and what's the science behind it? What's really happening in this upstate and downstate? Yeah. So the downstate is a concept that I got from putting together a bunch of research from my lab and others, which really says that there is a bunch of restorative processes that we need to engage in on a daily basis in order to replenish our resources and recharge our batteries. Um, and, And so it's a whole sort of bunch of different things that we can be doing that allows us to get restored and ready for the next upstate. And the upstate is where we have all of our, you know, when we're optimized for being active, for being out in the day and conquering the world and, and facing challenges. And that upstate requires a lot of energy and it depletes our resources. So the main idea is that we are just like every plant and animal on the planet, we are rhythmic. And the rhythm means that there's upstates and downstates and upstates Mm -hmm. and downstates. And the more we can tap into this idea that there's optimal times to be working and to be out there in the world, and then right after that, there should be some time where we're going into relaxation mode and restorative mode, and that prepares us for the next upstate. And it's a rhythm. You know, when you said that, it brought this to mind. What about workers that, you know, have the opposite shift? They're night workers. So they're in the upstate at night and the downstate during the day uh, when it's light out. They're sleeping. So my question is, yeah. is, is that an issue um, or does it matter? 
as long as you're as long as you're sleeping in and in downstate and upstate, you know, uh, that has quality to it, or does the timing matter? No, I mean for sure the World Health Organization and uh, many people appreciate the fact that shift workers shift work is not good for your health, um, and it mm-hmm. actually leads to a lot of imbalance in these kind of over overextension of your upstate mechanisms that keep you in a high stress mode and not enough natural state of this downstate restorative mode. And and it can really be harmful for people's health, um, particularly the type of, you know, when you're, when you're sort of doing shift work in a, in a way that isn't conscious of these rhythms. Um, so it, it is possible to have shift work where people are 100% shifted. And so, you know, they are up at night and then they are sleeping in the, you know, after work and that's usually during the day. The problem is, is that people, you know, if, if you really stick to that plan, then your body can adapt to it and you can sort of set yourself up to be, to, to, you know, bear with you, bear with that rhythm. The problem is, is that a lot of the time people will do shift work and then on their off days go back to, um, mm. what everybody else is doing, which is sleeping at night and being up in the day. And that lack of consistency between um, uh, rhythms is actually the thing that is the most difficult because your body never gets to adapt to anything. And so it's, it's hard for, it's very stressful on your system. So it's all about consistency, sounds like, really, you know, consistency. Yeah. So one and, of the ideas and the reason in the book, for that, go ahead, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the reason for that is that every cell in your body has a little clock in it, and it's actually looking for you to be consistent to tell it when the upstate should be so it can prepare for it and it can create the, you know, the nutrients that you need for that time and also that it's going to have time to restore itself. And so if you, if you keep consistent, then that whole, your whole body and all the processes within it can align itself to this consistent rhythm. But it's the switching around that makes the whole system like, well, what's, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? You know, mm-hmm. constantly in this state mm-hmm. where it can't keep up. Mm. All right. Well, we're almost at break, but I have another question before that. Um, and you kind of said this, that if you spend too much time in the upstate, that it can have serious health effects and it's not good. Uh, so it, it needs to be balanced. Is that what you're saying between upstate and downstate? That's right. In in sort of an equal proportion, that the amount of, you know, the it, it's like gas in a car. You know, you can't you can't drive when there's no gas, and and you can't upstate when there's no nutrients and there's no energy. Very interesting. Um, how how do you feel that learning all of this has really helped you in your own life in terms of the balance? You know, really seeing it firsthand. How has that affected you and yeah. the way you operate? Well, you know, they say that a person writes the book that she needs to read. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. You know it's, I'm, I'm 100% a person who benefits from habits and creating a consistent schedule and really sticking to, um, you know, sticking to these health boundaries that I know are good for me. Um, and a perfect example of how difficult that is is with this book launch, um, there's so many demands. Uh, you know, from media and podcasts and, and presentations and different, and I also am running a lab and I have two kids. So, you know, what I would normally say is, well, I don't have meetings until 10 a.m. because I'm taking the kids to school and then I'm going to do exercise, um, and then I'm going to shower and then I'm going to start my meetings at 10. And that's always been my experience. And I've had to, you know, let a lot of that go because I just need to also be promoting the book. And it's, very hard, you know. It, 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 I can feel um, the, the difference that that takes on not making time for exercise, you know, on my sleep and on my well-being and on my emotional state. So it's really, you know, I take this stuff to heart just as much as anybody. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about um, the balance, how we can create the balance between these two rhythms. And, you know, and sometimes why this backfires and what are some strategies that can help us when we have to get out of that rhythm of the upstate and downstate, meaning the rest and also the energy. So we'll be talking to, um, to Sarah Mednick about that as well. How can people find your book, Sarah? 
Um, it's available at Amazon and at uh, all the different indie booksellers online. Um, I think, you know, if you go to your book, your local bookstore, I would love it if people would um, ask for it at their local bookstore because it's a very beautiful book and I would love to see it in bookstores. So uh, either from online but also in bookstores. Well, thank you. All right. So we're going to be back right after the break. My guest today is Dr. Sarah Mednick. She is a professor of cognitive and a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of California. Her new book is called The Hidden Power of the Downstate, or actually The Power of the Downstate. Right, it's it's just called The life. Power of the Downstate. Okay, the, recharge the first your life. title was The Hidden Power. Okay. So The Power of the Downstate, Recharge Your Life Using Your Body's Own Restorative Systems. We'll be back with Sarah Mednick right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. We are talking to Dr. Sarah Bendick about the power of the downstate. Um, which, you know, all of us really can, can learn from. We can all handle a reasonable amount of stress as long as we replenish ourselves on a daily basis by engaging in activities that make us feel rested and full of energy and loved. And that's the power of the downstate. And by working with that to its maximum, you can handle anything that comes your way. And Dr. Sarah Mednick is a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of California in Irvine. And she was awarded the Office Naval Research Young Investigator Award in 2015. And her research findings have been published in such leading scientific journals as Nature Neuroscience and the Proceedings from the National Academy of Science, which are covered by major, major media outlets. And her website is sarahmednick.com. So welcome back, Sarah. All right. Thanks so Let's, much. Yeah. I, before I ask you, you know, a lot more technical questions, I think what I want to ask you is, what are strategies that really work? You know, human try, we try many things to get, you know, out of the upstate, find the downstate, but many of them don't work. And as you said, even in your own life, sometimes 
you have that balance and then things come along and it gets disrupted. So what can we do, you know, when we're going to have those ups and downs or when that extra workload comes in or some, or we have to be a caretaker or something we didn't expect that disrupts that balance. So what can, what are some strategies that can help us to maintain that downstate? Oh, it's such a great question, right? Because it's easy to do things when you're feeling good and you don't have that much stress in your life. It's always, it's when the challenges happen that that's really when you're faced with this question of like, how do I maintain my health boundaries? So I think that's a, an excellent question. One of the ways um, that I really think is important is to make these things habits um, such that even when your um, things come in that are going to take their place or are going to prioritize your attention, you still give a nod to those habits. You still keep yourself saying, well, I'm not going to do a full exercise routine in the morning like I usually do, but I am going to just go outside um, and just, you know, be in the sunlight for a little bit, take a little bit of time to myself or take a walk around the block um, just as a kind of nod to that habit such that when this stress passes, we still have that that rhythm in our bodies and in our minds, um, and we're ready to sort of pick it up again, and we don't have to sort of create it de novo from, from you know, every single time. So I think that is one of the, you know, our bodies most um, best respond to habits. And so, you know, creating those habits, even in the times when we have stress, will help us see, the, see us through. Well, also, too, because, you know, whenever we have anxiety, because the brain is wired, we always have, I mean, whenever we have uncertainty, we always have anxiety, right, because of the way our brain is wired to be planners. So wouldn't that make sense, then, that if we're planners, the more, the more structure, the more boundaries, the more habits, the better, because we feel better when we know than when we don't know. When we don't know, we get anxious. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that you, we saw you know, during the pandemic, that the very beginning of the pandemic was the panic of losing all of our rhythms, losing all of our structures, right? Suddenly, nobody was going to work, nobody was getting dressed, nobody was eating right, you know, everybody was drinking whenever they could, um, people were home with their children having to teach them and work, and all of our systems of structures that we, you know, that we were doing a lot, but we could handle it. And then suddenly we couldn't handle anything, right? It was, it was traumatic um, mm. to lose all of those systems, along with the life-threatening stress of the pandemic itself. Um, but what happened is that eventually, over time, people started systematizing their lives again, and we started creating schedules, and we started yes. creating ways right. in which to expect, this is what I do at this hour, this is what I do at this hour. And for a lot of people, it actually started really working. Um, and now here we are again, right, at this transition back to the quote-unquote real world, and that's also causing a lot of stress for people, right? The, 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 the approach back into the world of even having to have in-person meetings, having to get dressed in yeah. the morning to go to work, start commuting. This is causing a lot of stress and actually a lot of cognitive load um, because the things that normally were habits, we have to remember consciously and think through them. And until they become habits again, we're going to still be in that overloaded, overworked condition. So how do you handle that? I mean, because again, talk about disruption. Do you create new habits? You create new habits, but then what happens when you then go back to work and now you're back to a different system? Yeah, I think that that, you know, first of all, the most important thing is to understand and forgive whatever um, stress you're experiencing and to sort of, you know, expect it and to maybe not be as hard on ourselves and, and have these high expectations that we're just going to pop back. Um, it doesn't, that's not the way things work. And the chronic stress that we've had over the past two years is not just going to go away, right? And, and, and there's a ridiculous amount of stress um, in the world right now due to all the conflicts that are going on in the world. So we're not in a place of just popping back. But I do think that, you know, the more that we can focus, you know, you think about the day as just an increasing amount of stress across the day. So the more we can think about what are some pockets in my day that I can create for myself to downstate. You know, it's not just this idea of 
pushing it all so that, you know, to the end of the day and saying, sleep, take care of this, right? That's kind of unfair. Even though sleep is great, there's no way that when you hit the pillow and you're super frazzled from just being stressed out all day, that you're going to have great sleep. It's, it's just not going to happen. So allowing yourself to create these very specific intentional moments where you are downstating across the day means that by the time you get to bed, you're not exhausted and frazzled. You're actually coming at it in a place where you can really relax and go into some deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So does that mean, Sarah, taking breaks during the day, getting up and walking, moving, doing exercise, you know, eating well, in other words, breaking up your day so that you can build that the downstate in? Exactly. Yeah. So in my book, I have a downstate recovery plus plan, and it's a four-week program that basically has four weeks because there's four domains, um, the autonomic nervous system, the sleep and circadian rhythm, the exercise, and the nutrition and eating um, rhythm. And so basically, you know, how, what, what are the, and each rhythm basically, each domain has about five to seven um, action items that you can choose from that are, you know, whatever is the easiest thing for you, start with the autonomic nervous system, just, you know, do 10 minutes of deep breathing once a day in the middle of your day. Um, and, and then there's advanced techniques as well in terms of um, working with HRV and HRV biofeedback and um, doing meditation and yoga and all those yeah, different e- types of autonomic. What, ex- yeah, explain what HRV is to our audience. Yeah, great. So HRV is heart rate variability, and what that means is we talked about um, the restorative system. Well, the autonomic nervous system has two branches. One is the stress response, which is the, in med- medical terms called the sympathetic nervous system, and in my book I call it the REV, REV system, because it revs you up, right? You're ready to go. It starts pumping that blood around, starts, you know, increasing your breathing super, super fast. It's the, it's the panic response, but it's also the excitement response. It's not always bad. It just revs you up. But the twin system, the sister system of that is the restore system, which immediately sees that you're getting revved up and says, well, that's not healthy. Let's calm you right down. And it decreases your heart rate. It slows your breathing. It calms, you know, decreases your body temperature. So you have this very synergistic interaction between these two um, states of rev and restore. So this is a very healthy system is able to flexibly um, go into rev and then immediately go into restore when whatever danger or stress or excitement is over. Um, you know, the proverbial tiger in the jungle where you suddenly see that there's a tiger and you run like hell. Um, and then you suddenly realize, oh, that was just a tiny bird. And you slow the heart rate down and say, like, what? Like, take a chill pill. Everything's fine, right? So that system, as quickly as you can rev up and restore, means that you have a lot of variability in your mm-hmm. HRV, meaning mm-hmm. that your heart rate can speed up and it can slow down. So the more variability, the higher your HRV the higher your heart rate variability, the stronger your restore system. Mm-hmm. And this is... Me- meaning really, you know, that you can recover practices. quickly. What you're saying is meaning oh, that, sorry. let's say you had a shock or someone, you know, just came up behind you and, and your heart started pounding. So um, a good recovery would be within a few minutes, you'd be back to your regular heart rate. Correct? Is exactly. that what you mean? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a very positive system, but a system that, you know, is sort of reflecting ill health and a not strong restorative system is one where it takes you a long time to get your heart rate going fast enough that you can actually speed up and run away. And then once it's sped up and pumping fast, it's very hard and it takes a long time for the heart rate to slow down. That's somebody with low variability and therefore low HRV. So, and low HRV has been associated with many different uh, chronic diseases, including hypertension, cardiovascular disease, um, but also metabolic diseases, um, obesity, uh, diabetes, um, you know, metabolic disorder, um, and also with poor executive function because your brain and your body are connected. So if your body is not 
flexible, you know, and flexibly able to react to the world. Neither is your brain. Neither is your mind. Fascinating. What about food? What about food and the types of food we eat? I mean, we we read and we hear that a plant-based diet um, is very desirable. Um, and, And there's a lot of theories about that, but that's gotten a lot of attention lately. Talk about that. Yeah, so this is very much related to this rev-restore ratio um, because when you eat food that are highly processed, so anything you put in your mouth is going to excite your sympathetic, it's going to rev you up, it's going to excite the sympathetic system. And the question is, for how long and how intensely and how much do you have a restore system that can come and calm it down? So when you eat anything, um, so when you eat foods, that are highly processed, that have a lot of sugar, that have a lot of fat, that have a lot, you know, that are deep fried. All of these foods uh, spike your um, sympathetic revved up system and it revs you up and it takes a long time for the restore system to calm you down. Now, foods that are, you know, whole grain foods take a long time to break down, and so there isn't this spike in rev. Um, foods that are uh, very colorful, vegetables that are super colorful, they're rich in polyphenols, which are the particular key uh, nutrients in plants that keep them hardy and strong and able to fight disease and able to fight winter um, plagues and uh, other animals eating them, those specific polyphenols, when you eat them, their strength gets passed on to you. Um, so, And those also have a lot of um, restorative anti-inflammatory benefits. So kind of eating, you know, eating the standard American diet, which is high in meat, high in processed uh, flour and other kind of processed foods, um, fat, and not high in fish and things that increase omega-3s but are more increasing omega-6s, those kind, that kind of diet is increases your chances of having an out-of-control rev-restore ratio where rev is kind of raging and there's no way that there's enough downstate for restore to bring you back to balance. Whereas mm-hmm. eating, you know, Mediterranean diets, Japanese diets, um, also there's some specific diets that have been developed uh, called the MIND diet, and that's a great diet because it's been shown to um, decrease uh, this kind of rev-restore ratio where you have really uh, good health, but also a long-term uh, cognitive benefits and long-term metabolic what benefits. Is in, what does that from- diet consist of? This diet is focusing on it. It basically says like low red meat, um, very low dairy, uh, very, very low cheese, a lot of fruits and vegetables, um, and fish once a week, um, very low sugars uh, in terms of desserts. And, it, you know, it keeps, it's, it's really the food that your great great grandparents ate, yeah. right? This kind of non processed, healthy, whole what foods. A, what, colorful about chicken vegetables. And what about chicken and pork? Yeah, those are actually good proteins to eat. Um, you know, I think that they're really, you know, I, I, I understand that the vegetarian diet is a very healthy diet, but also there are some very healthy meats that can be eaten. Um, there's some evidence that shows that a small piece of protein for, you know, a, like a, a light dinner with a small piece of protein can actually improve your sleep. So it's mm. not, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with meat per se. Um, it's just that the kind of meat and then the timing of eating is also very important. Yes. So it's yeah. not just the what's of eating, but also the when's of eating. Because mm-hmm. if you think about this rhythm of upstates and downstates, when you're eating is going to determine, you know, if you're eating inside the upstate window when you're all ready to receive food, that's when your metabolism is at its height and you're able to, um, you have a height of insulin, which helps you bring the sugars into the cells of your body. Um, and that's great, right, because you're fully supported to eat everything you want to eat. When you start to go into the downstate, your metabolism drops, but also the insulin levels in your body drop, mm-hmm. and you can actually be, you know, be leaving more of those sugars 
in your bloodstream than being utilized in your organs because mm-hmm. you just don't have the systems there to um, to process all those sugars. Yeah. And those so, sugars then get turned into fat. All right, we're going to take a break, but it's it's complex. It's not just about the food, as you said. It's about the timing. It's about the quality. It's about the, the freshness. It's about, um, you know, whether it's organic or it's not. It's whether it's processed or not. So there's lots of um, elements here, and I know a lot of them are in your book, Sarah. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about um, diversity, you know, and, and equity in terms of access to food, to exercise, to, you know, to be able to um, have this kind of lifestyle, which a lot of us take for granted, but not everyone has access to. So let's talk about that after the break. So we can talk about how we can um, promote the downstate for everyone. All right. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. My guest is Dr. Sarah Mednick, and her book is The Power of the Downstate, Recharge Your Life Using Your Own, Your Body's Own Restorative Systems. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Soul Connection with Dr. K hosts a forum of expert guests that showcase popular topics that can impact the soul. Weekly, Our Soul Doctor connects with authors, medical professionals, and leaders that share expertise and testimonials. Check out our growing community on site at soulconnectionusa.com. Tune in to Feed the Soul Live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, or listen on your time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. We are back with Professor and Dr. Sarah Mednick who is a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of California, Irvine. And her book is The Power of the Downstate. And the subtitle of her book is Recharge Your Life Using Your Body's Own Restorative Systems. And Dr. Mednick was awarded the Office Naval Research Young Investigator Award in 2015. And her research findings have been published in leading scientific journals. And you can log on to Dr. Sarah, or you can log on to Sarah Mednick. Dot com. All right. Welcome back, Sarah. Okay. So um, let's, let's talk about what we said before the break, which is what about people who don't have access? You know, people who, um, you know, different cultures or maybe different backgrounds where it's not so easy for them to get the right food and access to exercise. I mean, we can all walk, but there, there's more to it than just walking. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I think this is such an important conversation to have. You know, after 2020, when we had a real racial reckoning with our systemic racism in America um, and the structures that really are created that that create this issue of inequity across different groups. Um, I think that the first question is to say, well, what is it like for people who actually face systemic racism or systemic sexism or systemic, you know, sexual orientation, um, uh, prejudice, any of these kind of um, general, you know, either outright um, uh, discrimination do, you know, even poverty is one of those, is, is actually a major, major player here, um, where you have a daily experience of discrimination. But even in the small interactions of these microaggressions, where you just sort of feel these little bits of disrespect or little bits of injustice or little bits of fear of revealing who you are, that your identity may put you at risk for, you know, either harm or, um, or discrimination of any kind. So I think that, you know, not all upstates are created equal. And so people definitely have different levels of stress on a daily basis. And, the, you know, and, and, and as we said, every upstate needs an equal and opposite downstate. So those, you know, the people with greater upstate stress really need to have the opportunity for great downstate repair and restoration. And I think then it, the conversation then turns to, well, does everybody have equal access to the downstate? Um, and I think that that's, you know, clearly no. Um, one of the, uh, one of, you know, because we talk about the autonomic nervous system, yes, everyone can control their breathing, yes. But well, let's look about sleep, right? So the idea of sleep, if you're under poverty conditions, are you living in a place where you can control the temperature in your room? the noise around your living space. You know, a lot of people live in poverty, living in poverty, they live in noisy neighborhoods, which can actually be harmful for getting into deep sleep and rest. And they live with a lot of different people as well. They don't necessarily have their own bedrooms and they don't necessarily have pollution control Mm. in the same way um, that people of higher social strata. Um, And so, you know, so that's, just the basic idea of sleep equity that really, you know, has a huge impact on health and well-being and cognitive um, uh, uh, performance. So, so then we talked about. Go go ahead, and then I want to get into some of the preventive things. Go ahead. Yeah, well, then also exercise. You know, I mean, everything in my book is free. There's, there's almost. I don't think that there's anything really except maybe one app I recommend for HIV, biofeedback, but every, every, everything else is free. But that doesn't mean we all have equal access. So exercise, exercising in parks. You know, I live in a neighborhood. I can go running probably any time of night. You know, maybe not in the middle of the night, but I could probably go running any time of night. There are people who do not feel safe running in their own neighborhoods, right, either due to the crime in the neighborhood or the color of their skin, which may attract uh, abuse, right? So that means that there, that right to exercise, that basic right to be able to go out and increase your health is also not equal. And then with nutrition, of course, we hear about, you know, the food deserts, the lack of healthy, fresh food in um, low-income neighborhoods. And those are usually, uh, you know, uh, uh, black and brown neighborhoods. And so here we have another level of inequity where, of course, we need to be eating fresh, healthy foods, non-processed foods, not high-sugar, high-fat foods, but that's also not available on a wide scale. So these are issues that, you know, um, that I think that as we move forward um, as, as, a, as a country, solving this basic right to a downstate seems like it's actually uh, one of the most pressing issues that we're facing. And so let's talk about, in the last few minutes we have left, what can we do? I mean, you said several things of prevention. They're in your book. But just give us a few final thoughts of things that we can do every day. Should we exercise more? Should it be 20 minutes? Should we eat a certain yeah. way? Should we go to bed at a certain time? Give us some just some general yeah. pieces. 
So, right. So some, some quick things is make sure, you know, if you're going to, you should be doing exercise at least three times a week. Um, and the exercise, when you do your exercise really matters. If you're exercising to the point where you're really sweating and getting your heart rate going, that exercise should be in the first part of the day. And that allows for your heart rate to decrease across the day and for your restorative um, centers to take hold and actually couple with your nighttime sleep so you get even more restoration. Um, same goes for eating. Eat during your upstate and try to really minimize the amount of food that you eat in the evening when your met- met- metabolic system is heading into its downstate. So really, you know, trying to do that time-restricted eating can be great because it really takes out that nighttime extra glass of wine or that nighttime dip into the ice cream pool. Um, so that's one uh, really important thing of thinking about your rhythms. And also that eating and that exercise is going to affect your sleep. So thinking about your rhythms as all being part of one whole system is really important. Um, keeping consistent rhythms, doing the same thing regularly in terms of the same types of food, uh, the same types of exercise so that your body can prepare for it and be ready um, is also you know, a, a feature of sort of highly sophisticated downstating. So all of that can be really helpful. Um, what about time of going to sleep? I think you're just saying be consistent, pretty much. Yeah, well, specifically, you know, it's, it's important to think about that the first few hours of sleep are the most restorative. And it's not necessarily always just at any time you go to sleep, those first few hours will be restorative because the... There's the slow-wave sleep, which is very restorative, but the second half of the night is devoted to rapid eye movement or REM sleep, and that is going to turn on no matter how much sleep you've had prior. It's, it's run on a circadian rhythm, so it's, it's on a clock, and it's going to start turning on at a certain time. So getting to bed as early as possible, and I recommend 10 p.m., um, allows you to get enough slow-wave sleep in before REM sleep comes in and tries, you know, and basically barges in and says, okay, it's me time. Um, mm-hmm. So that early bedtime. And then, you know, another aspect of, of really giving your circadian rhythm a nice big downstate is to go outside and get into bright sunlight in the, in the morning um, mm-hmm. because then you get your whole system kind of set up to have uh, a single rhythm where your metabolism and your cardiovascular system and your mm-hmm. cognitive systems all respond to that, you know, initial upstate. Mm. So all of that can make a huge difference. Fascinating. Um, what is your feeling also about, you know, kind of the balance of exercise and food and sleep? Is it, I think you said before, it's very much staying Within a program, right, within reason, trying to have those sort of same rhythms and same habits at the same times, if you can. Yeah, I think that we do a lot of sort of silo-based um, thinking about these systems. Um, and then we also try to cram in a lot of, you know, emphasis on the training, emphasis on what we're doing in the upstate. Um, but if you really think about them as rhythms, then you think, okay, well, I'm going to try to um, align these rhythms so that they all are, you know, ha- they're, they're, all these upstates are happening at the same time to maximize, you know, when I'm at my nutrient, most nutrient rich, that's when I'm going to be exercising. That's mm-hmm. when I'm going to be doing my, you know, executive thinking. Um, and then when I'm at my downstate of all of those rhythms is when I'm going to go into deep sleep. So I think that's one of the frameworks that I think is really important to kind of, um, that, that that this book offers is you know that the downstate uh, um, is 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 a systemic downstate that you can really mm-hmm. align all these systems together. What about creativity? What about if you're writing? Should you be journaling in the morning? Should you journal at night? If you're writing a book or you're writing an article, um, does it just depend upon your own natural rhythm, or is there a certain time? Yeah. So, so creativity is a really interesting one. So, so when you're really doing attention-focused work, 
that's really the kind of work that you want to do in the upstate. But there's something about creativity that doesn't always happen when you're online, right? Sometimes the creative, um, creative inspiration or the, or the aha moment, it doesn't come when you're focused on the problem. It actually comes when you step away from the problem and you allow these unconscious processes to uh, work their magic and start putting connections together that are not direct connections. They're kind of, you know, slightly secondary or tertiary connections. And that's what usually makes a more creative idea. That work cannot happen in the upstate. It actually needs the downstate to, you know, get into nature, get into exercise, get Mm -hmm. into meditation, and, you know, quiet that upstate executive brain to let those subconscious unconscious processes work Mm, very interesting interesting all right again um in your book you have exercises that people can do and you talk about the different pieces right there are four different quadrants in your book of things that we can do in each one talk about those again so there's the autonomic nervous system which is really you know about breathing and about um I, I offer a lot of different types of trainings that you can uh, engage with. And then there's okay. the sleep part, which is a lot of different aspects of how you can be aligning your circadian rhythm and your sleep to improve exercise. There's a whole bunch of um, aspects of exercise where you can, you know, from the very simple to actually starting to integrate mm-hmm. your autonomic nervous system mm-hmm. with your exercise routine to help you plan your exercise. And with eating, then there's, you know, different types of diets that are available and also timing, um, questions of whether, you know, should you do intermittent fasting, should you do time-restricted eating, trying to, you know, piece through those ideas and, you know, how those can work best with different lifestyles. Thank you so much, Sarah. Really appreciate you being on the program today. And people can get your book, I think you said, on Amazon, correct? Yes, that's right. Yep, and also your website is sarahmednick.com. I want to thank you so much for being on the program. Stay on the line for a minute. Um, it was really, really um, inspirational and, and so much information. Thank you, Dr. Mednick. Thank you. That wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Um, if you would like to find me, it's patricia at patriciaraskin.com. If you're thinking about doing your own podcast and you want to get your positive messaging out there, I've interviewed about 5,000 people in my career, so I'd love to help you. Um, Also, I'm on Facebook at Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Okay? So remember, everyone, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know that you can make your dreams come true. And until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.